the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening, and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church. And we are live tonight, live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell, and we're inviting you to call in with your questions, comments, and concerns. Our toll-free number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-M-A-X. That's one 367 So don't be shy. Pick up that phone. Let us know what's on your mind. Again, that number is one 888 K-F-A-X. Tonight on Contending for the Faith, we continue our series entitled, The Different Storms God Allows in Our Lives. When we look around our world today, especially now with what's going on in Israel, and even within our churches, there are many different storms that God allows in our lives. God uses these storms to mature us, to break us, to remake us, to conform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. The big question is, are we truly listening to the lessons of these various storms? Storms that God is using to get our attention and to get us to a place where he wants us to be. Not because he hates us, but rather the contrary, because he loves us. So tonight we bring you part six in our new series, The Different Storms God Allows in Our Lives. So so stay tuned, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Butner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uplifting and challenging introduction. Uh, We appreciate the way God always uses you. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. We want to encourage you to prepare yourself for a good word tonight by getting your Bibles and get to a table and your pens and paper and ready to be blessed tonight in a mighty way in the Lord. And we've been doing this series on... uh, What are the different storms God allows in our life? And there are seven that we have been, uh, I've been talking about, and we have gotten to, uh, you know, get to number four tonight. And I want to just review uh, what I've covered so far. Uh, Number one, there are storms that we create. It's just storms that we create, and you can't blame it on God, like Jonah. Jonah created a storm. And uh, God had to 
discipline him in that situation. And, and then uh, this is where we get to the number two is corrective storms. You know, correction always leads to direction. And even with Jonah, God, again, had to discipline him. And God does that with us as well. That's what it talks about in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, and verse 6 through 7. He chasteneth those whom he loves. And he doesn't chasten us and discipline us because he hates us, but because he loves us. And no father and mother will neglect their kids when they've done wrong. They uh, chastise them, uh, chastise them, and they also discipline them as well. Uh, in love, because that's what God calls us to do. And then number three, there's what I call perfecting storms, perfecting storms. And that word perfection comes from the word uh, mature, complete. So God wants us to grow into maturity, and he wants us to uh, respond, respond to every storm with maturity, you know, not immaturity. And so many of us today, when it comes to storms in our life, we are very immature. We're very weak. And we don't uh, respond in a biblical, mature way. And God allows these storms in our life to bring us to maturity. And that's what James talks about in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And Jesus talked about this in Matthew 5 and 48, be perfect like your father in heaven is perfect. That word perfect means mature. So what God wants to get us to that place of maturity. And then the fourth one that I want to deal with tonight is uh, stay still in the storm. And God wants us to stay still in the storm. Uh, this uh, famous saying that we always say, Stand still and see the glory of God. God said that to Moses and so many people in the Bible. Stand still and see me at work. And the greatest way you're going to see God at work is for you to stand still. We're just running here and there and making a mess out of ourselves. And we are trying to help God out. God don't need no help. He just needs you to get out the way. He needs you to dethrone self and enthrone the Holy Spirit. He needs you to allow the Holy Spirit uh, to take residence so he can become president of your life. And that's what's so important. But stand still, you know, and uh, and God had allowed a lot of storms to come in the life of all of his children in the uh, Old Testament and New Testament. And the greatest way that he was trying to get them to see him is to be still and just keep their eyes. And that was the way that they were going to see God. You know, that's one of the greatest ways you can see God is just get a word from God's word every day, being still, starting the morning off, just being still in God's word, still in prayer, still in letting the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Because when you have a Bible study, you should always pray and say something like this, God, you're speaking, you're going to speak to me this day through your word, and I'm going to speak to you through prayer, because with God, everything is about dialogue, not monologue. Most of the time when we pray, it's all about monologue. We always, God, I want this, I want this, and I want that. We never stand still and listen to God. Let God speak to us. Just be quiet. You know, Andre Krauss sung a song entitled, It's Quiet Time. 
you know, and you might want to look that up sometime on Andre Crowley. We'd play it sometime in our church. He was one of the first great contemporary gospel artists, but he sang the song, It's Quiet Time. That's when you tell me that you love me, and that's when I, I tell you that I love you too. You know, it's just being still. And in the midst of this stillness, let me just say this. The thing that brings stillness and you being quiet is experiencing the peace of God. You know, and I want to just give you right now an acronym for peace, okay? And get your pens and paper and take down this because I think it'll really help you out. This is an acronym for peace. And the P stands for providence. Providence is another word for God being in control. God is in control. And when you stand still and know that he is in charge, not you, because every time you get in charge, you mess up. But when you stand still and wait on God, because see, God answers prayer three ways, yes, no, and wait. And wait is the hardest because wait has to do with stillness. And, uh, and it tells us in Isaiah 26 and 3, thou will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. You know, just trusting in God and standing still and trusting his providence. When God, let me, it may take me uh, several programs to just finish this, this acronym, but let me meddle with this word providence for a little bit because it means God is in control and God is on the throne. You remember Isaiah, when he looked up, he saw God on the throne, high and lifted up, and his train did fill the temple in Isaiah 6. We need to remember God is in control. God is on the throne. No matter what we go through, no matter what type of storm we go through, God is in control. And you know, his disciples uh, forgot that. They forgot all the miracles that Jesus had did prior to them going on the Sea of Galilee, when he fed 5,000 people, five loaves of bread and two fish, when he healed the sick and raised the dead. And God, Jesus said, as God, I'm going to put them on the Sea of Galilee in a boat, and I'm going to tell them, let's go to the other side. When he told them, let's go to the other side, that was God's providence. They should have remembered that God is in control. When God says something to you in his word, you need to believe it, receive it, and achieve it. Believe it, receive it, and achieve it. But believe what God says. And when he says something, that means that his providence is in control of what he says. He said to them, let's go to the other side. And yet they doubted because when they got in the storm, they, they told him, Lord, you care that we perish? Why would he allow them to perish when he told them, let's go to the other side? That's God's providence. God speaks to you and me every day, and he tells you and me, I will supply your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus through Paul, Philippians 4 and 19. But what we do when we end up uh, dealing with our bills and dealing with financial issues, we panic. We fall apart. We let our feelings control faith. And we forget that God is providentially in charge, you know. And that's the beautiful thing about Esther in the Bible. God's name is not mentioned there at all, but providence was in control. Uh, they thought Haman was going to, a lot of them thought, some of the Jews thought Haman was going to 
put the noose on Mordecai's neck, but it ended up on his neck. See, the same thing was going on in the Middle East. God is going to put the noose on the enemy's neck, and God is going to put the noose on every enemy in your life. If you believe in God's providence, that God is in control, and yet God's name is not mentioned in the book of Esther at all. He was in control of the situation, and he's in control of your situation if you trust in him with all your heart. You know, he said, let's go to the other side, providential uh, leading. And they were in the, they were in the will of God uh, before they got on the boat. And then when they got on the boat, they got outside of the will of God. So many times we can be in the will of God. And then when the storms come, we jump out of the will of God. We panic rather than pray. And we forget all that God has done in the past in our lives. And God allows these storms so he can show to us his providence, his purpose, how he can bring us out of no matter what we're going through. You can't assume God's providence. You can't uh, doubt God's providence. You can't fear God's providence. You got to believe that God is in control of every situation that you trust him in. And his sovereign, the word for providence is another word for sovereign. That means control. Sovereign providence is a synonymous words. And make a note of that. You know, uh, if you're in a storm right now, know that if God did not cause it, God allowed it, and, and, then, and that he is also going to be in control of it. Now, the second uh, word in the acronym for peace is uh, in, enter. So E stands for enter. That means that when we recognize his providence for P, we E, we enter into his presence. How do we enter into his presence? We enter into his presence by being in the word of God and getting the word of God in us. We enter into his into prayer. You know, prayer doesn't change things, but it changes people and people change things. Things just don't change on its own. People change and then things change. But we get into the presence of God. We enter into the presence of God. We enter into fellowship with God and others. And then we start to feel and experience God's presence on an enormous level, on an intimate level. And we start to have that assurance and peace inside our souls. And that's what number th three in the acronym for A is assurance. Isn't this good stuff? Assurance, because peace will bring you assurance. A lot of you have insurance, but you don't have assurance. And we need to recognize when God gives us peace, he gives us assurance. And that assurance is that he is in control in the storm. His sovereign will is in control in the storm. When we enter into his presence, it assures us that He's in control, and the disciples finally recognized and came to grips with this. That's why they woke him up. Lord, you care that we perish? He said, oh, ye a little faith. He says that to so many of us today. Didn't Jesus say he'll be with us always in Matthew 28? That, that's true with assurance. Assurance is that he's always there, and you need to not... Fear, not need to be afraid. You need to learn 
that Jesus is right with you and he gives you that assurance in the midst of every storm that you're in. And then the fourth point in the acronym for peace is C, that's comfort. The Bible calls God the God of all comfort. He wants to comfort you with his peace. He wants to comfort you with his providence. He wants to comfort you with his sovereign will. He wants to comfort you when you enter into his presence through his word and through the Bible. That's comfort. He wants to comfort you through others who are wise in the word of God. That's so important for us. And he intercedes on our behalf through the Holy Spirit to give us comfort through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what? It's interesting when you break down the word comfort, it has two parts. Make a note of this. The word C-O-M, come, means with in Greek. Fourth, come means with and forth. Comfort means to be with someone with strength. It takes power to walk with Jesus and to talk with Jesus. And he gives us that comfort and that that's lessons that we need to learn that God is always there to comfort us through giving us that peace. And that peace helps us to overcome anything that we are facing in life. And let me say for the last point E in the acronym for peace is expectation. Expectation has to do with God's promise, his promise that uh, that he will give us peace. He will give us the assurance that he's in control, the providence. When we enter into his presence through his word, he gives us assurance and we can expect all these things to happen. And that's why I says he will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You got to keep your mind on Jesus in the morning, afternoon, evening, and even of the greatest storm in life. Oh, what a word for us tonight. What a great truth for us tonight. Let's pray in closing. Lord, for the word of God tonight, we thank you for this acronym, peace. We hope that people got all the words down and that they will apply it. Lord, we ask you to forgive us for not trusting you, for doubting you. We pray that you would give us that peace and the assurance. Give us the hope of the providence of God that as we enter into his presence, we have assurance, we have comfort, and we have peace, and we have comfort, and we have of your promises. Your promises will never fail us if we keep that full armor on. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches regarding this powerful acronym on peace. Brother Gary. Well, all right, it's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you tonight. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, 
an expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. Pick up that phone. Give us a call if you have questions or comments for Dr. Buckner. If you need prayer, we're here to pray with you. We always say prayer should be your first response, not your last resort. Always be quick to pray. You know, a lot of times people say, you know what, I need prayer. And I hear people say, okay, well, I'll pray for you. And then they walk away. And I wonder how many times those prayers actually get said. You know, when someone asks you to pray, don't wait because you might forget. And to be honest with you, they need that prayer on the spot. They need the comfort that comes from hearing someone pray for them, for experiencing God's presence as you do pray, as the Holy Spirit moves on their lives as you pray. So it's very important to pray on the spot. Don't Oftentimes those later prayers don't get prayed. But since we're on the subject of prayer, we want to thank all of you who have been praying for contending for the faith. It's a prayer-driven ministry, and we need those prayers constantly going forward. So we thank you. From It's a tremendous, tremendous blessing. And also, we just want to thank all of you who have, over the many years, partnered with us financially to keep this program on the air. It's listener-supported, so we need your support from week to week to month to month to year to year. We've been on 20 years it's a long time, and that's a lot of support. And so we are so grateful that God has moved upon so many of you and blessed you to be able to support us and to support people being saved, set free, and equipped for life through this ministry. So we thank you so much. There's two ways that you can donate. You can address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Now, the second way, so much easier, simply go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org and click on the donate button and you'll be a blessing for time and eternity. We always say, you know what? One day you're going to get to heaven. God's going to say to you, turn around and you're going to look behind you and there'll be a vast multitude of people. And you're going to ask the Lord, who are these people? And the Lord's going to tell you that these are the people that made it into my kingdom as a result of your giving. So it is so important that we are listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit as he prompts us to give. We want to make sure we always give we always to the church. And we want to make sure that we're doing ministries like this. All right, Dr. Buckner, are you ready to go to the phone lines? Yes, let's do that, Brother Gary. Well, it looks like we have a question from Alfred. Of course, he wants to take it off the air. His question is, how does the devil win your soul? Whoa. Wow, that's a that's an interesting one. Um, you know, and what uh Halloween coming uh, up on us, he's got a lot of people's souls and he got a lot of people's souls every day because uh you know, we experience Halloween every day, not just in October, but a lot of people parade in Halloween mentality. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there are so many different ways how 
the devil can win uh, a person's soul. And I would say uh, that uh, one major reason is to fake being a Christian. And there's a lot, some people in churches that are faking to be uh, the real thing, the real genuine Christian. And if you fake to be a Christian, the devil has your soul. And then uh, secondly, uh, if you uh, are living a life of hypocrisy, um, that is another way where the devil can get your soul because you 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 can't uh, have one foot in the in the church and one foot in the in the world and be a hypocrite, you know. And uh, Paul kind of lists a lot of things with hypocrites in First Corinthians six and nine. It gives a list of a lot of things. I'm doing a working on a PowerPoint with that, and he talks about those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then another one is denying Christ. There's a lot of people today that's denying Christ. Or another reason why the devil can get your soul is rejecting Christ, rejecting Him as Savior and the Lord. You know, and not a submitting to him as Lord and Savior, asking him to forgive you of your sins to, and then to repent. And then another reason is abiding in Christ. You can't uh, just say, I abide in Christ and then uh, get out of him and then stay out of him. But you got to be like the prodigal son. You got to come back and come to your senses. You know, that's genuine repentance there. And then... Uh, you know, another reason is, uh, you know, not uh, having eternal life, you know. So the opposite of eternal life is eternal uh, condemnation, you know. And uh, Satan is masterful at uh, trickery and getting us to think that we are uh, saved when we're really not. And, you know, there's so many people where the devil got their souls because they're in more into religion than relationship. And people, there's a lot of people today that just atheists, agnostics, and skeptics that just doubt God. Uh, they live in fear. They let fear control them. They avoid Christ. They avoid church. Uh, they're easily led astray. And these are characteristics of a non-believer, and it's a sign that Satan has their soul. But uh, because he may have a grip on one's soul, doesn't mean that he has to continue to have a grip. I think I should bring that out because this is very important. Uh, Satan could, uh, he has a lot of people a soul right now, uh, but if they repent, they confess their sin and repent, uh, his hands will come off their souls and Jesus will take control of their souls. But if they don't do that, they open up the floodgates to go right to hell. And that's a scary thing. You want to add anything to this, Brother Gary? Yeah, I was sitting here listening to you as you spoke. And the thing that comes to mind is scripture says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, you know, everybody 
at one point it's a level playing field. Everybody's on their way to hell until they make a decision to accept Christ as their savior. So, you know, we talk about how can you win yourself? Most of the time he already got you in your back in his back pocket. You don't have to worry about winning you as long as you don't accept Christ. You're on. He got you. Mm-hmm. He's got you. And it's a wake up call. You know, we have experienced over the last two months, Dr. Buckner, a lot of people have left planet Earth. Some, hopefully, all of them were saved, but you never know what's going on in people's lives. And it's just, it's mm-hmm. a wake up call because you can be here today and gone tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, true. And if you haven't accepted Jesus as your savior, then where are you going to go? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the question. Where are you going to go? And, you know, we look around the landscape and we see all the wars and rumors of war. And it should make people uh, sober because you just don't know what's on the on the horizon. What's over the next ridge? What are we going to face next? We've been through some things as we talked about. During the break in our lifetime, we've seen things that we never thought we would expect to see, you know, civil rights to a worldwide pandemic and everything in between. And we, you just never know what's coming. And you have to be ready. You have to have the Lord in your life. You don't have to worry about the devil and his issues, and his plans and what have you. You can be free from all of that by accepting Jesus as your Savior. It's that simple. He's the only way. Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Must be saved. There's no other way. Don't get it twisted or confused. Don't let people fool you that there are multiple ways to get to God because there's not. There's only one way, and it's through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man proceedeth unto the Father except by me. That's it. So whatever you may think, and you may have a, a scale in your mind. On one side of the balance is all your good works. On the other side of the balance is the stuff you did wrong, and you keep thinking, well, I just got to keep that one side with the good works heavier than the other side. It doesn't work that way. All have sinned. And any sin that you have committed, whether thought, deed, action, whatever, is still sin. And God says, that's sin and getting into my kingdom. You've got to accept Jesus. It's that simple. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. So true, Brother Gary. Good word on that. And uh, what Gary just said and what I've been saying as well, uh, we can't uh, do the three C's. We can't compromise, confuse, nor contradict uh, those uh, things that we just shared with you for those who are listening. Because there may be somebody out there right now that's listening and and saying, you know, I don't, I don't, I haven't done that yet. I haven't surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this is a time for you to do that. And you mm-hmm. on this radio tonight and say, you know what? I want you to pray for me around this because I don't want the devil to have my soul. And I don't want to be separated from God throughout eternity. Uh, I don't want to experience that. As Brother Gary said, we've, we've 
seen a lot of people that we know that have uh, passed on. Now, we never know when our last day is going to be on this planet. But you want to go before God, and he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant, rather than be done. And uh, that's really important. Now, uh, there's there are some Christian people that uh, that need to understand, too, that the next best thing, I've said this many times <clears throat> in the past, the next best thing to a damned soul is a neutralized and sterilized Christian that has been so neutralized by the devil that he or she is incapable of producing anything spiritually. So if the devil can't have your soul, you know, that Alfred is talking about, the next thing he's going for is the neutralization and sterilization of your life so that you don't bear fruit, so that you don't, uh, you know, bear the fruit of the spirit and that you don't exercise your spiritual gifts, you know, and you got to be on your guard about that too, because the devil's business of shutting you down from growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look like we may be on a close to a commercial break. Yep. It is that time. And I think we better take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open and we want to hear from you. We're having some, uh, technical difficulties tonight with the phones, but we hope to have that rectified so that we can actually take the callers on the air. But if that isn't rectified, we will take your questions. Vince will take your questions and forward them to us so that we can answer them. We'll be right back. More Contending for Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell, and once again, we thank all of you who have been long-term listeners and long-term prayer warriors for Contending for the Faith. We thank you for those prayers that have been going up on behalf of this ministry. It's so, so important, so vital. And we also thank those of you who have consistently partnered with us financially to keep us going as well, because it is a listener-supported ministry. And you've been so generous and so loving over these many, many years. We can't thank you enough. There's two ways that you can donate. You can address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Or you can simply go online to contendingfaith.org, that's contendingfaith.org, and click on the donate button, and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. All right, Dr. Buckner, now we know that you had a uh, conversation with Brother Rick prior to the broadcast, and he has a question which was, why was Jesus Christ baptized? Why did he have to be baptized? That is a very good question, uh, Brother Rick, and hopefully you're uh, listening uh, on this uh, due to these technical problems we have. But uh, this question has been very controversial with uh, a lot of people in the evangelical world. But let me try to uh, take fusion out of confusion with it uh, because 
Uh, yeah, he, I'm going to make this point. He didn't get baptized because he was a sinner like you and me, because he could not sin. And this refers to, as some of you may want to write this down, the impeccability. And that, that spell I-M-P-E-C-C-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y, the impeccability of Christ. Uh, the impeccability uh, refers to the fact that uh, Christ uh, could uh, was tempted, but he could not sin. There are some theologians who believe in the peccability of Christ. I don't agree with this one. Uh, and they say, yes, it was possible for him to sin, though he did not, and he did not choose to. But it's very clear uh, that Jesus is uh, into the impeccability of Christ. And that means that uh, he could not have sinned. The holiness in Jesus Christ is uh, complete, absent from sin. Uh, it says in Hebrews 4 and 15, uh, it says there in Hebrews 4 and 15, for we have not and high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Uh, and uh, James 1 and 13 said, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So the question is uh, that Rick is asking, uh, but I needed to make some clarification of that, uh, showing the differences between impeccability and peccability. But the question is, so why was Jesus baptized? Uh, well, he was baptized not only uh, because he was human uh, and setting an example. I think it was a, a, a two-part answer to this. The first part is that uh, I would say uh, this probably would be, I would say, the second part, let me put that as second, uh, that he was human and he was setting an example to all of us in, in the obedient command because God uh, commanded all of us to be baptized in Jesus being uh, uh, man and God, God and man. Uh, he set an example for all of us uh, to uh, be baptized following the commands of God and doing God's will. So that would say that this would be the second point. Uh, and uh, the first point, the reason why he was baptized, uh, I think the context explains it. And very few people miss this. Uh, we always got to look at things in the context, like R.A. Torrey said, a text taken out of his context becomes a pretext for error. So the text says in Matthew chapter 3, uh, verses 13 through 17. Uh, it says, especially in verse 15, that he did this to fulfill all righteousness. So in the context, Jesus explains why he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. That's what we get in the context. So the answer is right there. I mean, if we look at the context, and one of the things that you learn in uh, Bible school, and uh, even if you go to seminary, I went to two seminaries and went to one Bible college. And one of the things that they drill at you, the field of hermeneutics, which is the biblical science of interpretation uh, that they teach you 
to never get caught up into eisegesis, that is, reading in the text something that's not there, but exegesis, letting the text explain itself. So when we get into the exegesis of this uh, this uh, chapter here, uh, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, especially verse 15, it says that, he said, let's do it because I want to fulfill all righteousness. He did it to fulfill all righteousness, and that was part of the righteous thing that he would do in relationship to his Father God. So uh, that would be the answer to that, Brother Rick, and hopefully that uh, shed some tremendous light. But every, every everything we do, always remember context, context, context. Hermeneutics is the biblical science of interpretation, and when you study the Old Testament, uh, and you look at things there, and you see, for instance, the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was something that the children of Israel lived by. Well, in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 8, it talks about a new covenant, that where Jesus brought about a new covenant, and that the Old Covenant is obsolete. It's vanished away. There's a lot of people still living under the old covenant. They want to keep the Sabbath. They want to eat certain types of foods. And, uh, you know, Jesus said that which goes into a man doesn't uh, corrupt him. But that which comes out is the heart. You know, uh, Paul talked about in Colossians chapter 2, he said he mentioned the Sabbath, the festival, the new moons. He, he mentioned all of that as the shadow. That's interesting. It's a shallow, but not the substance. I'm going to kind of give you a story that Walter Martin, my mentor, told one time, and it really kind of brings this home from Colossians chapter 2, talking about, you know, all the Old Testament stuff is shallow. So typology is shallow, and Christ is substance. Walter Martin one time told a story about a lady uh, waiting to see her fiancé at the airport, it was a nice sunny day, uh, and uh, she saw him get off of this uh, plane, and she uh, ran towards him, and he ran towards her. And then uh, all of a sudden, uh, a shadow of the, the sun came over him and kind of cast a shadow on her body. And that man jumped on the shadow, knocked out his teeth, and she looked at him like he was crazy. She said, why are you down there kissing the shadow and I'm the substance? That's kind of like an illustrative illustration of what Paul is talking about on a deeper level, though, in Colossians, that the, the Sabbaths, the new moons, uh, the festivals, all those things are a, a shadow. And the reality is today, people say, well, how do you fulfill the law? Don't you fulfill the law in keeping the Ten Commandments? That's not what the Bible says. Jesus never did say you fulfill the law in keeping the Ten Commandments. What Jesus said, and I, a whole bunch of black Hebrew Israelites, I was asked to speak at a church uh, in Stockton, California. Uh, people can probably look that up on the Dr. Bruckner speaks at, spoke at a church there. Uh, in Stockton, California, I think it might have been Progressive Baptist, uh, Progressive uh, Community Church, and I did a four-hour presentation on the Black Hebrew Israelites. It was twenty-four 
black Hebrew Israelites that showed up there. And they, uh, the pastor said, Dr. Brickner, they gonna come and challenge you. I said, well, that's a good thing. Let them come. And then the leader, there was about 24 of them. And the leader got up and he says, why don't you keep the, why don't you keep the Ten Commandments? Doesn't the Bible teach that? I said, no, the Bible doesn't teach that. Where do you find that at? Where do you, where do you find Jesus teaching that? I said, I will tell you what Jesus taught. Jesus said to love the Lord thy God. He says, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two hang all the laws and the prophets. He said, you have fulfilled the law when you've done this. And then what does Paul talk about in Romans 13? He talks about the, the Decalogue, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. He doesn't even mention in Romans 13 the Sabbath. But he says if there be any other commandment, now this is some powerful stuff. If there be any other commandment, that includes the Sabbath. If there be any other commandment, that means also the Ten Commandments. If there be any other commandment, it is summed up under this heading, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as itself. This is the fulfillment of the law. So what is the fulfillment of the law today? It's not a lot of do's and don'ts. It's, a, it's loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said that. And nobody can bulk with that. You can argue with it, but you're not going to get anywhere. The reality is that, you know, and we always look at the, the first principle of hermeneutics. Again, that word means the biblical science of interpretation. And one of the first principles of hermeneutics is that you always interpret the Old Testament in the light of the new, never the reversal. So the New Testament interprets the old. But we have a lot of people living in the old to interpret the new. And that's uh, abusing hermeneutics and the basic, basic principles of hermeneutics. You know, that's eisegeting. That means reading into the text something that's not there. And that's uh, a, a grave sin. So we don't want to be ignorant of the word of God. And... Hosea says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And Amos says, in the book of Amos, there's not only a famine in the land, but there's a famine uh, of God's word. And there are, you know, and we have always said on this program, the, uh, you know, the, the greatest curse in the world today is biblical illiteracy, you know, and it's, it's being ignorant of God's word. And it's not bad being ignorant. It's only bad when you want to stay because the Bible challenges us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So uh, good word there. Uh, Gary, I'm going to let you put, uh, I've laid the cake. I'm going <laughs> to let you go home and put some icing on the cake and spread it, spread it real good, Gary, and bring it at home. <laughs> well, you that icing, Gary. Well, you've said a mouthful there, you know. <laughs> One thing I appreciate about Dr. Buckner is he's very thorough. You come to this broadcast and you're not getting milk, you're getting meat. And you're getting well-fed and well-equipped. You know, Scripture talks about how God has placed pastors, teachers, 
evangelists and so forth in the body of Christ. Why? For the equipping of the saints and so that you you won't be uh, biblically illiterate by listening to programs like this, by making sure that you are in a solid Bible-based church so that you can uh, grow in the wisdom and knowledge and maturity of your faith. God wants us to mature. He doesn't want us to stay babies. We've got to get off that milk bottle and onto some some solid steaks, which is what we try to give you here. They are well done steaks too. <laughs> we don't give anything that's rare. So you're going to get the well done filet mignon here. And so we encourage you, uh, make sure that you are in a Bible believing church, that you are getting well fed. Uh, and if you have questions about that, if you having uh, concerns that maybe you're not in the best situation, you should let us know as well. Well, it looks like, Dr. Buckner, we have come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank Vince, our engineer, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you, your letters and cards and encouragement to us. So please drop us a note. Let us know how the program has blessed you. Please keep us in your prayers until next time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.